You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. So I was thinking about the message for Christmas Eve and how long I've been a, uh, been a pastor. It's going on 20 years now. And you think about the Christmas story, and there's not a whole lot of the birth of Jesus that are in the Gospels. There's, I mean, there's there's an account of his birth, but there's it's just not like there's not chapters full of his of his birth. And uh, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. Maybe maybe you're not. Maybe you're just here because you thought this was the religious thing to do, or you're here because somebody in your family or a friend drug you to drug you to church to a Christmas Eve service today. But you might be wondering, well. Okay, so what's so significant about this story? And I was thinking about story. I was thinking about, okay, why is story so significant? Story, our love for stories, is in our DNA, right? Uh, There's this guy by the name of Jerome Bruner, the father of cognitive psychology, believed that storytelling is hardwired into our psyche and the chief reason why we learn to speak. Uh, I was re- just thinking about that. I was thinking about there's a number of uh, women in, in our church family who are ex- you know, expecting a child. And I was thinking, you know, in that child's DNA is the desire to speak because before that child's able to speak, that child's got a story that, want, that he or she wants to tell. Uh, and he, in fact, Bruner's convinced that infants are motivated to learn to speak because they already have stories that they want to share. You know, great stories typically start off with something like once upon a what time uh, in a galaxy far. Yeah, I got my Darth Vader uh, water thing there. And then uh, long ago, right? All stories kind of start out that way. In fact, all good stories or all great stories have elements in them that are already in the, the, the story of Jesus or the Christmas story. You know, in, in every good story, there's an antagonist. There's, uh, there's passion. Why, why, is the, why does the story need to be told in the first place? There's a protagonist, and there's somebody or, or a people that need to be saved. Now, when you think of the Christmas story, maybe you think the, you're thinking of a manger and a little baby in a manger, but the Christmas story, actually, in the Bible goes way before that. It dates way before that. It begins all the way in the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. That's when the Christmas story begins. Yeah, it, there's a hero in the Christmas story, and the hero is Jesus. There's an antagonist in the Christmas story. The antagonist is the devil. And sin, I think we could put sin in there. There are people who need to be saved. That's us. In fact, the Christmas story is a story for us and about us to point us to our need for a champion, for a savior. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus, they're called the Gospels uh, for a reason, because the story that they're sharing literally means good news. Gospel means good news. And one of the elements that must be true of every great story, it's got to have the power to affect you. It's got to have the power to change your life. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, said of the gospel this. He said, 
I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Meaning it has the power to change your life. Each and every one of you in this room, including myself, we, we, in our DNA is, is wired into us the, the, the desire to worship. That we were made for a creator who designed us. That creator is God. And our problem is we have a sin problem. And uh, the reason why joy seems to be fleeting you and the reason why contentment seems to be just beyond your grasp is because, because you can only know true joy and true contentment, the kind that God designed for you, uh, and you can only know that when you know him. And the only way to know him is through his son Jesus, who he, the Bible says, he gave out of his great love for you. Like This is part of the great story. You know, long ago, in the in ancient scriptures, in the Bible, it was foretold that this king, that this child, that this Messiah, that this Savior would be born. Long ago, it was foretold that the coming Savior would be a king from the line of the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Judah, that his scepter, his ruling rod, shall not depart from him, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Long ago, it was foretold, like in ancient scriptures, that the coming king would be unlike any other king. That, in fact, God would establish his throne forever. That he would balance the scales of justice. He would make what was wrong with this world right. Long ago, it was foretold that the coming king would be born of a virgin. And his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Long ago, it was foretold that the coming king would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of, and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. Long ago, it was foretold that the promised king would be born in, a, in an obscure place, in Bethlehem. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. I don't know how much you know about Bethlehem, but Bethlehem was probably no larger than the size of a football field. And uh, it was small. Nazareth wasn't much, was not much larger than Bethlehem. You know, and you know, news travels fast, right, in small towns. News travels fast in Cheyenne. I mean, think about something like the size of a football field. I mean, think about the Christmas story. Think about the elements of the Christmas story. That, that Mary was told that she was impregnated by God while she was engaged to Joseph. And we know that Joseph, when you read this, the, the story, like Joseph didn't buy it at first when she told him, hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant. Good news is I didn't sleep with anybody else. God got me pregnant. Like, what do you do with that? Joseph's like, I'm going to, I mean, they, in those days, uh, they were engaged, and the only way to break off the engagement was through a certificate of divorce. So I'm going to do this quietly because I care about her. But she's lying. And then he had a dream, and God spoke to him in that dream. said, what Mary said is true, Joseph. You know, this is a story. It's got the, it's got the power to transform lives. And it has. It's transformed lives for generations. And so there are really two things that I just want to just share with you. And the first is that Jesus is the Redeemer born to save sinners. That's why he was born. That's the message of Christmas. The Redeemer, the Savior, the Champion the, 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 was born in, 
in Bethlehem, and he was put in a manger, a feeding trough, and that's how he was introduced into the world. Nine months before that first Christmas, Mary, who was a teenage girl, was visited by an angel, and he said to her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You know, there was nothing special with, about Mary. Like, she, she was not sinless. She needed Jesus just as much as any other human being on planet Earth. Like the Bible begins, and it tells us in, in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, that we have a sin problem. The reason why our world is upside down is because of sin. We're under a curse. Like, we are jacked up. We're upside down. There's something wrong with us. Like you turn on the news, and, and what you discover is we're, we're like on the, the, the knife edge of destroying ourselves. We, we have the ability to... You know, God has wired in us the ability to create really great things. And what do we do? We turn things that should, that we could, we could create things that generate or save lives, and we turn them into weapons and, and other things. Jesus was born into that kind of world, into this kind of world, as the Savior that we need. The world needs a Prince of Peace. And when he was born, on that first Christmas, the world didn't take notice. Nobody knew about it except for some shepherds and a few other people. The Bible says of Jesus this, that the true light which gives light to everyone was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. It's just like, well, who, who would believe anything like this? But this is the story. And this is the story that all stories are shaped after. The reason why we love heroes and the reason why we hate antagonists or villains is because in our DNA is, is, is written this story and, and in us we, we, we call out for a Savior. We want a Savior. We want somebody to fix our world, to fix us. Which leads me to my, the second thing I just want to share with you is that Jesus is good news for all people. Like his birth is good news for all people. There are some of you, my guess, some of you in this room are thinking, man, I have, you know, Keith, you, you, you don't know my story. I mean, you're right, I don't. I mean, you don't know what I've done in my life. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't, but God does. And the thing, that we, the thing that we're told over and over again, and the reason why the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus is good news is because God's grace can, can reach you no matter how far you feel like you are from him. His grace and his mercy is greater than any sin or sins that you're guilty of. And so Jesus is good news for all people. And when we think about the nativity, how many of you have a nativity set or, you know, in your home? Right? A, a number of you do. You know, what's, what's in your nativity set? Just shout it out. We're small enough. What is it? Jesus? We've got baby Jesus. What, what else we got? Mary, Joseph, shepherds. Wise men, magi, and a bunch of animals, right? But what I, my guess is that what you probably don't have included in your nativity set is a guy by the name of Simeon and a woman by the name of Anna, who's a prophetess, who actually 
got to experience and witness Jesus before the Magi did. Like the Magi, they showed up on the scene not when Jesus was in a, in a manger. They showed up on the scene probably about a year or two after his birth. And Simeon is this old guy, and we read about him in Luke, he's this really old guy, and he's been praying all of his life, if you just let me live so, for the day or until the day I can actually witness the Savior, the one prophesied in Scripture, if I can just witness this person that you promised from way back in ancient days, when the promise that you made to Eve, you know, and Adam and Eve after they sinned, the promise that you made to, to David, King David, and, and the promise that you made through the prophets, if I could just witness that, that would be great. And so Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into Jerusalem, and uh, Simeon saw him, and he knew right away, this is the one. And, and he took Jesus from, not like grabbed Jesus, <laughs> like some creep, uh, he took Jesus from Mary into his arms and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's us, by the way. We're Gentiles. And for glory to your people Israel. Like This story has the power to transform lives. And, uh, and so there's some shepherds they're hanging out they're just doing their job I don't know how much you know about shepherds but they weren't really that respected there's, uh, there are some, some statements made from people from long ago about shepherds like you can't trust them they might steal your stuff they're, they're not very respectable and here, here's the thing. These are the first people that were told Jesus was born. Like the Magi, they saw, they saw the star and God was guiding them, but they didn't have angels appear to them. Angels appeared to the shepherds, and, and, they, uh, and they did it during a season where Caesar Augustus was reigning and ruling. Now, just so you know, Caesar Augustus thought himself to be Lord and Savior of the world. And, and it's just ironic that in the story of Luke, in chapter 2, uh, we're told about Caesar Augustus, that a decree went out you know, in those days from Caesar Augustus. And then later on, in chapter 2, verse 8, in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, this is what he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I bring you a gospel. I bring you good news. I bring you a story that's real, that's historical, that's happening now, that you get to experience. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How many people is this news for? All the people. Everyone. And, uh, and so the angels appeared to the shepherds, and the shepherds were like, whoa. <laughs> like, let's go check this thing out. And they did. And, uh, and so they, they found this infant in a manger. After Jesus grew up, and by the way, like Jesus didn't come out of the womb singing hymns and Christmas songs. Like He had to learn language. He had to, he had to learn Hebrew and Aramaic. 
He had to learn how to eat. He had to have his diaper changed. He had to go through all of that. The Bible says the reason why he humbled himself is to experience all that so he could identify with you and identify with me. But then he grew up. And I said this, I say this almost every Sunday. He lived the life that we could never live. He lived a perfect life. He was without sin, 100% human, but also 100% God in the flesh. And, um, and so he, he, he grew up, and before he, he went public with his ministry, he entered into Nazareth, his hometown. Remember how big Nazareth was? Everybody knew who he was. The, the stories probably still circulated around Nazareth. Remember Mary? Yeah, she got, she got knocked up by Joseph. Gave birth to Jesus. Um, so he walked into the synagogue. And this was pretty common. Somebody gave him a scroll. That's the way Scripture was. It was on scrolls. He gave him the Isaiah scroll. It's in our Bible, Isaiah. And gave him the assigned reading. And the assigned reading was this. And Jesus read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he handed the scroll back to the attendant. He sat down, and then he said to everybody in in the synagogue, it's kind of like our version, it's like church, but on Saturday, he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then shortly after that, everybody wanted to throw him off a cliff. They couldn't believe what they heard. He said, I'm the one that Isaiah was writing about, I'm him. Like, who are the poor that Jesus came to proclaim good news to? Who are the captives that he came to liberate? What kind of sight did he come to give to the blind? What kind of oppression did he enter into our world to overcome? Like, did he go to, to did he come to, to, to be good news to those who are physically just financially poor? No, the poor are those who recognize, man, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer God. Like the shepherds, I, I, there's nothing. I have nothing. Like, I know I am a sinner, and there's nothing I can do to earn the favor of this God who is perfectly holy. And so the only recourse I have is to go before him with empty hands. I have nothing to bring. I need a righteousness I can't generate. I need a righteousness outside of myself. I need a Savior. That's the poor in spirit. And the captives are those, are those who recognize the pro, that their problem is their sin. Their own sin. They mourn over it. Like, I don't know about you, but how many like, have asked yourself from time to time, why, why do I do these things? Why did I do that last night? Why can't I break free from this addiction? Why can't I, why can't I be liberated from this thing that just weighs me down, that I know displeases the Lord? The captives are those who Jesus came to liberate. The oppressed are those who recognize that true liberty can only be found through a redeemer that God promised long ago. These are the people that Jesus came to make see. These are the people who are blind, who who came to make them see. Like that line in Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I what? See. The shepherds were told that first Christmas, you have no need to fear. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people, every person, the rich and the poor, the irreligious, you know, 
the outcasts. I came for all those people. What this means is it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, who your parents are, the poor choices that you may have made, or how messed up you think your life may be. Jesus' birth is good news for you. That is the message of Christmas. The Christmas story is a story of a God who came looking for people like Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the magi, Simeon, Anna, and people like me and people like you. You think of, think of the worst of the worst. Jesus was, was, was born for that person too. Like, this is the story that transforms lives. This is the story Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. That this gospel has the power to transform lives. It's transformed my life, and there are many in this room whose lives have been transformed because of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of Christmas is this, that God pursues those who are far off, and he excludes those who are convinced that they are near to him because of their own righteousness. Christmas is good news that Jesus was born for the non-religious, the non-righteous, and, the, and those who seem to be far off. Like most of you are familiar with John 3.16. We kind of cut it off after verse 16. We don't go on to verse 17. And I just want to read it for you as the worship team comes up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here it continues. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those verses are for you, friend. Those verses are for you. The gift of Christmas is a free gift to all who know that their good deeds are not enough and that they need a righteousness that is not their own because they know that they need a perfect righteousness that can only be found in Jesus. Jesus, like I said, he was, he was born, lived the life we could never live, a perfect life. He went to a cross for our sins under the wrath of God because God is just and he's holy. He's also a God of love and mercy. He did that and he was buried in a tomb and on the third day he rose from the grave validating everything that you've ever read in this book, the Bible, about Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.